0: I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 918, January the 29th, 2020. This is episode 189 of Bitcoin and let's just like bolt right into uh, Torchlight here. Uh, The Torch is at, let's see, it looks like it's in Greenland. Um, Sven Hardenberg at S-V-H-A-R-D-E-N tells or says thanks to Key Network for sending the LN Trust Chain Torch to Greenland. This is a wonderful experience and I'm so glad to be part of it. Exchange Arctic will make sure lightning is a top priority on our roadmap. Now go ahead and pay some invoices. 1.7 million Satoshis. Who's ready? And of course there's already like all manner of invoices, like, you know, in the pipe. This was, when you send this, this wasn't too terribly long ago. This looks like it was about eight o'clock in the morning. Um, now, that, uh, Svend Sven got it from 2Key Network, as he said. 2Key uh, Network has some pretty cool things to say. 2Key uh, Network got it from Bitcoin underscore bonds, B-O-N-Z. And 2Key uh, says, thanks, Bitcoin bonds, for sending us the LN Trust Chain 2. This is a great honor for 2Key. The torch is a symbol for Bitcoin's borderless nature decentralization at its finest. Now let's get this thing moving. The largest island in the world is still turned off on the map. So yeah, uh map is getting there's a map that's associated with how many countries the torch has been on and each country that is represented by the torch is, or th- each country that held the torch is represented in yellow. And looking at the map, uh there's a lot more yellow than there is gray. Uh I'd say I don't know. Looks like sixty percent of the land mass of uh, of the of, uh, blah, 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 of the world has been in association with the torch, uh, but there's still a lot to go. We got like all the countries in Africa. Looks like we've still got uh, so like a lot of the Balkans need to be done, uh, and the I don't know about half of Central America need to be done. But now that Greenland is yellow, uh, yeah. there's a a whole bunch of uh, countries that have held the torch. Okay, let's get right on into the morning roundup. Uh, Let's start with the circus. Now, I'm not a fan of the block crypto. However, I'm going to have to read one. I'm just going to have to because it's the only one that's covering the circus. I'm scouring my, my general news outlets today. I didn't see anybody else talking about this. So, uh, sadly, we have to do the block crypto. Um, Celia Wan is writing yesterday at 11.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin.com withdraws from Bitcoin Cash proposal to divert part of block rewards to development fund. That's right. Roger Ver's already bailed out, or at least according to the block crypto. Take it with a grain of salt. We don't really know. Uh, But here it is. Roger Ver's mining pool Bitcoin.com has decided to not support a proposal that aims to redirect 12.5% of Bitcoin cash block rewards to a development fund. In a blog post on Tuesday, Bitcoin.com said it will, quote, not go through with supporting any plan unless there is more agreement in the ecosystem such that the risk of a chain split is negligible, end quote. Also, quote, Bitcoin.com will not risk a chain split or a change to the underlying economics. In order to do this, any proposal will need to have as many people of economic weight on board as possible, including businesses, exchanges, miners, and Bitcoin Cash implementations, the blog post stated. I noticed they didn't talk about users, people running a full node, because apparently it's not. Whatever. Whatever. Continuing, last week, Mining Pool BTC top CEO Zhang Zhur announced the Block Reward cut petition in a blog post stating that the move was to support the development and Block Crypto keeps uh, reverting to their splash page. That's one of the other reasons why I don't like Block Crypto. It's freaking annoying to read. My God. Uh, Okay. Last week, Mining Pool BTC.top CEO Jiang announced the Block Reward cut petition in a blog post stating that the move was to support the development of Bcash infrastructure and threatening to orphan blocks that do not go with the proposal. At the time, Bitcoin.com and pool and ViaBTC all signed Jiang's petition, representing around 31.6% of total Bcash's hash rate. Bitcoin.com accounts for roughly 0.39% of the total Bcash hash rate. First of all, I call BS on that. That might be what is publicly known, but uh, I doubt very seriously that the hash rate of Bcash is only 0.39% by uh, uh, Roger Ver's totality of companies or mining interests there's no way that dude is going to be the underdog in his own mining endeavor to get people to buy his bags of crap. Okay. Now, this is getting back it up into this. They don't want to Roger apparently doesn't want to risk a chain split. How is it that Roger thought that that wasn't going to be on deck? No, seriously, think about that. I mean, really think about that because, I mean, honestly, there's no way in the world any rational person would be able to sit there and go, yeah, sure, this is not going to result in bad things happening for the the particular ecosystem involved. And, (laughs) God, and uh, and the whole quote with the proposal will need to have as many people of economic weight on board as possible. Economic weight economic weight. If you are not a heavy heavy hitter, you don't count. Guys, again, this isn't this is almost directly antithetical to everything that Bitcoin is about. And all you real I mean if if you're a newbie and you don't, the best education you can get for how this shit works is to go back and start scouring through, in the 2017 uh, news articles in the space about the scaling wars that resulted in the Segwit2x agreement, and I believe that came out of the Satoshi Roundtable, uh, where a bunch of suits got in a room and signed a piece of paper that was going to dictate to the rest of us what Bitcoin was going to look like. And they got their asses handed to them. It was embarrassing to the point that only one person of that group of, I can't remember how many people, I'm going to say 12, maybe 16. I doubt it was that high. I think it was like somewhere around 10 or 12. All of those people, one out of all of them, one actually made a public apology. The rest of them haven't made a public apology, probably because they don't want to acknowledge how stupid they look. Because, I'm, I'm sorry, after the whole SegWit2x thing occurred, Then they had to get back into a room and sign another piece of paper saying that they weren't going to do the block size increase. That was, I guess, their way of trying to save face. I don't know, but it didn't work because every single person that signed that original piece of paper and the second piece of paper were sitting there left with egg on their face because the entire community gave them the collective finger. I just, if, like I said, it's worth going back and looking at what actually happened and reading the sentiment. Um, if you can, um, you know, use, Twitter, like for those of you who don't know about Twitter advanced search, start figuring out how to use it. Google Twitter advanced search. Get into the interface because it's from Twitter. It very much, the the GUI looks almost exactly like Twitter, except there's a bunch of fields that you can fill out, like who something was from, you can select the dates uh, of the the, uh, tweets that you want to see, what words or phrases they were including, uh, what account it came from, what account uh, the tweet mentioned. You know, things like that. In fact, it's I mean, it's a hell of a tool. And if you're not using it or or are not planning on learning how to use it, you're going to be missing out on how to curate and get a whole bunch of data real quick about shit that in this particular case that happened in 2017 and the events leading up to that. And and I would highly recommend looking at the sentiment on Twitter. Just type in like mentioning Segwit 2x, and then type in like a, a go to the dates and say from, you know, January one, twenty sixteen, to I don't know, let's say like a couple of months after January, like March, maybe April of twenty eighteen, and and see what you come up with. And I guarantee you it'll, it should, if you don't know anything about it, it'll be an eye opener because the entire community, all of us that had quote unquote, no economic weight, except we were running a node. Well, I wasn't running a node at the time. I had had to kill my node before that, but everybody who was running a node that apparently quote unquote, had no economic weight was able to tell a room full of suits to go screw. That's economic weight. Run your full node. I've got mine up. It's been up for days now. And if any such tomfoolery happens again, you'll be damn sure that I'm going to be flagging for what's best for Bitcoin. And it's probably not going to be siding with a Room full of suits. That's about all I gotta say about that. Hype over Bitcoin Having accelerating, reports cryptocurrency analysis firm Arcane Research. This is the Daily Hodel staff writing sometime yesterday. The crypto community is divided, speaking of division, on whether or not the Bitcoin halving is already priced in. However, one thing is for sure, the topic is getting a lot of attention. Norwegian cryptocurrency intelligence company Arcane Research says Google searches for the term block, or sorry, Bitcoin having, has spiked in the last 12 months. While the exact number of queries is not documented, the firm says its research has revealed the level of interest over time for the phrase using data from Google Trends. In January of 2019, searches for the term flashed readings of, of below 20. A year later, The term registered an interest level of 100, indicating peak popularity. The conclusion from Arcane Research is that Bitcoin's upcoming halving is gaining more traction among the crypto curious. The last time the term spiked in popularity was back in 2016, when the king of cryptocurrency halved for the second time. In that year, Bitcoin's price grew by nearly 125%. In May of 2020, Bitcoin rewards will be halved from 12.5 BTC to 6.25 BTC per block. Past halving events have foreshadowed a bull market. Today, not all crypto enthusiasts are convinced that the next bull market will emerge after the third halving, Arcane Research notes. Independent of the conclusion, there is now clear indication that awareness of the concept has spread to new people end quote end article now what I want to say about that I have in the middle of listening to guy swan's um he's doing a guy's take on um oh God Nick Carter and the efficient market hypothesis and if you're um if you're not uh following Guy Swan on twitter and crypto crypto economy uh listening to that podcast you you need to be it's 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 really good i uh, i listen to it every, like, like almost every episode but this one he's sort of diving into the efficient market hypothesis as it pertains to is the having priced in we keep hearing that is the having is this price i don't know the like the the japanese anime meme with the guy holding the like you know with his hand under the butterfly looking at it saying is this priced in it's a meme at this point. It really is. And, you know, people will say, no, it's not priced in, or yes, it's priced in. And the the efficient market hypothesis su- suggests that it would kind of have to be priced in because information is the information of the having is well known. Well known. It's the, I won't get into the efficient market hypothesis. You can look that up on your own, but it depends on the amount of it or not the amount, but information about a thing like if I know that somehow or another Tesla's going to tank uh, because I did a whole bunch of research and it's irrefutable and I publish a paper and everybody else agrees that, my God, the data is irrefutable. Everybody sells. And let's say that that data is actually true. I mean, this is just hypothetical, right? It's the information. And let's say another person said, "Yes, I corroborate that. Here's my own independent data set that suggests the same damn thing that Tesla's that Tesla's got X problem and it's going to kill them." Uh, now we've got like two people that are out there that are that are corroborating um, that, or whose data corroborates each other independently. Now the now the market says, "God, that's a lot of data. I don't know." And then all of a sudden people start selling their stock because they have information. So in the market, uh, efficient market hypothesis, as far as the having is concerned, the information is there's going to be half as much Bitcoin in the emission schedule on a per block basis on somewhere around May is, is the going, is the going thought um, than there was for the last four years. That information is well known. So Clearly, it must be priced in, right? I don't think so, and the reason I don't think so is that my and it's my take. Okay, it, I may be wrong. I'm probably gonna get yelled at for this, but I can't help it, guys. In my opinion, the efficient market hypothesis depends on everybody knowing. I can have as much information as possible about some X and like be part of, I don't know, a handful or a shit ton of people that know that same information and we all agree that that information is correct. We can move the market, yeah, sure. But what happens when even more people know? Because at one point or another, what I know is not known by another person. And what I'm getting at here is that Yes, Google searches for Bitcoin have dropped, and I've talked about that as being kind of a clue that, well, at this point, everybody's heard about Bitcoin. Yes, they've heard about Bitcoin. That doesn't mean that they know anything at all about Bitcoin, as you'll see in the daily train wreck that's coming up today. Um, I think that even though there's a bunch of people in the market f- on Bitcoin, that the efficient market hypothesis fails In this particular case, because there's not enough people that know exactly how the halving works, what it actually means. I'm of the opinion that most people don't really know what that, haven't even heard of the halving. We see that with this whole thing where now, instead of searching for Google or searching for Bitcoin on Google, they're searching for Bitcoin halving. I don't think it's priced in. Because of that singular data point, the fact that more people are trying to figure out what the hell a having is like they were trying to figure out what the hell Bitcoin is means that telegraphs to me information that there's not enough people. That have exact the, the knowledge of what the having is in order for the efficient market hypothesis to work in this particular case. I'm not taking a dump on the, on the efficient market hypothesis. I think it's actually correct. I think it's more correct the more people share in some data point. X. We're not there yet. We're not anywhere close to there yet. You've got people that know a shit ton more about Tesla then there are the same amount of people that know about Bitcoin or the having, or any of another, you know, of a whole number of things. Like at what point do we start seeing Google searches for uh, Bitcoin difficulty adjustment? At what point do we see spikes in Google search terms for uh, Bitcoin hash rate? And if you, it's, I'm of the opinion that if we look at the Google Trends and forget, you know, everybody was bemoaning the fact that nobody's searching for Bitcoin anymore. You should be happy. You should be happy. At least now everybody knows that a thing called Bitcoin exists. That's the door. That's the rabbit hole. That's the portal to hell in some cases because you just never get out of the rabbit hole. But it's, it tells me that this whole search for, Bitcoin having, I more the 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 entrance to the rabbit hole is starting to widen, okay. The event horizon is starting to spread. You should feel good about this. Me personally, I'm bullish. Is it priced in? Hell no. The having is not priced in. But the Wall Street Journal is priced in Warren Schmorgisborg or Buffett, as the term may be. Uh, he's given up on newspapers. I'm going to read this one. I don't normally get that far outside, but this one I think is kind of important. Uh, let's see, who is this? This is This Morning by Nicole Friedman and Allison Prang. It's not terribly long. Uh, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway Incorporated is selling its newspapers to publisher Lee Enterprises for $140 million. And I mean, dude. <laughs> He owns a shit ton of newspapers, and for them to all go at a bargain basement price of $140 million, ah, right there is a data point. A rare admission by the billionaire investor that he views his newspaper business as unsustainable. Mr. Buffett, a lifelong newspaper lover, has said for years that Berkshire's newspaper business declined faster than he expected. In 2018, Berkshire hired Lee to manage all of its newspapers except the Buffalo News. The sale announced Wednesday includes the Buffalo News along with dozens of other newspapers that Lee already manages for Berkshire, Lee said. Berkshire is famous for almost never selling any of its operating businesses. In an owner's manual for Berkshire shareholders posted on the company's website, Mr. Buffett wrote, quote, regardless of price, we have no interest at all in selling any good businesses that Berkshire owns. We are also very reluctant to sell subpar businesses as long as we expect them to generate at least some cash and as long as we feel good about their managers and labor relations, end quote. Berkshire didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. As part of the sale, Berkshire is lending Lee $576 million at a 9% annual rate. Lee will use the $400 million in existing debt and close its current credit facility, making Berkshire its only lender. Man, that's kind of scary right there, man. I'm sure it's normal, but it's kind of scary. Labor relations at some of Berkshire's newspapers have changed since the company outsourced its management to Lee. Newsrooms at the Omaha World Herald, Mr. Buffett's hometown newspaper in Nebraska, and the Charlottesville Daily Progress in Virginia voted to form unions. (laughs) <laughs> wow, man, this shit must be going south like a duck in winter. That's all you need to hear about that one. Um, you know, there's a couple of things here. Uh, the fact that that Warren is capitulating on newspapers is pretty much the final death knell to print media. Sorry, guys, you're kind of done. And thank God, it, and you did it, half of you, actually most of y'all did it to yourself by being rejected ridiculous the entire like the entire mainstream media is at this point ridiculous i've never seen so much bedwetting in my life and it's been going on for 5 years now yes people will say well, but david it's been going on before that yes it has but my i mean but over the last 5 years come on it's like i you can't change the bed sheets on this infant's bed faster than it's just pissing its pants Uh, the most ridiculous news stories, like massive editorial and, and, I mean, grammatical mistakes, spelling mistakes, not to mention the content. They're just like, it's ridiculous. And so no wonder subscriptions are plummeting. And after a point, somebody like Warren Buffett is going to look at that and go, nope, not going to do it. And you're talking about a hodler, he, like, like the story said, and this is true, they almost never sell any of their units, ever. They acquire. They do not sell. That's one of the magic things that w- Warren Buffett did. I'm not a big fan of the guy, but I am a fan of the way he works, so... If you're a newspaper owner right now, you might want to start figuring out a uh, how to put that for sale sign up in the front yard. Bitcoin IRA cracks major milestone with 400 million in crypto transactions. This is the Daily Hodl Staff writing sometime yesterday. Cryptocurrency platform Bitcoin IRA has announced a new record high with transactions crossing 400 million since the company's launch. In 2016, based in Los Angeles, California, the company allows clients to buy and sell Bitcoin and other digital assets through their individual retirement account or 401k. The retirement fund focused crypto firm launched its online self-trading platform a year ago following its partnership with cryptocurrency custody leader BitGo Trust, which provides $100 million of insurance and military grade security. Users can self-trade crypto 24-7 in an IRA or 401k account, store their IRA holdings, and track transactions in real time. (coughs) Bitcoin IRA, which bills itself as the world's first and largest digital asset IRA platform, has also integrated biometric security, which uses facial recognition for customer authentication. Jesus, Bitcoin was the best-performing asset of the decade, outperforming the S&P 500, and continues to attract investors who are planning for their retirement... Chris Klein, the company's chief operating officer, says competitive pricing coupled with a secure online IRA transfer process powers around the clock. Real-time management, says Klein, quote, We are announcing substantial product launches in 2020 that should accelerate our company's growth and further enhance our clients' ability to self-manage and grow their retirement portfolios. And that's going to do it for that. But, dude i getting close to being able to to do uh, IRA. I mean, clearly you're doing IRAs here, but this is sort of like a, as far as I could tell, it's sort of like a private deal. And I was talking to somebody on Twitter earlier today. I said that they had checked into something like that, uh, that they were, you know, being able to, to form a, a 401k at, at this company and be able to get into Bitcoin. And they were charging like 15% or something. And I'm not sure if that was on the Bitcoin purchase or like overall, but still, man, 15%. See, so from, a, from that standpoint, I wouldn't do one of these. But for those of you who are patient, IRAs like of your general employer, they're going to eventually get access to, B, to Bitcoin, to BTC. It's going to happen. You're going to have to be patient. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Patience is a virtue. I try to teach my kids this all the time. So having Bitcoin do everything, including find the location of God to being able to buy a cup of coffee out of the box, come on, just chill, brothers, chill. If you want shit to go faster, then learn to code and, and go code it up and submit it as a pull request. I don't know. I mean, it's not, you know, come on, guys. Just wait. Your IRA at your employer at one point, they're not going to be able to sit on the sidelines too much longer. Not without seriously looking at the manager going, what the hell did we hire you for? You keep missing the boat. Boats and Bitcoin don't mix, by the way. Coindesk, uh, Nathan D. Camillo is writing sometime yesterday, crypto related deposits dropped by half at Metropolitan Commercial Bank. Over the course of 2018, the New York-based lenders' deposits from the industry shrank by 52% to $104 million dollars. Uh, on December the 31st, according to an investor presentation the bank put out last week. Digital currency clients accounted for 4% of the bank's total deposits at year's end, down from 13% a year earlier. Metropolitan is one of a handful of banks that openly services the sector. In the presentation, the bank still advertises a diverse set of global payment clients, including crypto process, a payments processor, BitPay, worst company ever. Sorry. Crypto asset platform, crypto.com crypto exchange, Coinbase and crypto brokerage Voyager. But the business is well off from its peak in the second quarter of 2018. When Metropolitan's deposits from digital currency firms averaged $369 million, while that decline may partly reflect the 2018-2019 crypto bear market, it also suggests the bank faces stiffer competition from a field where most financial institutions have historically feared to tread. At Metropolitan's rival Silvergate Bank, for example, crypto deposits declined at a slower rate, just 22%, over the year-over-year, over a year-over-year basis to $1.29 billion on September the 30th, the most recent date for which figures are available. Over the same 12-month period, the Lajola, California-based bank's crypto clientele, increased by 273 firms to 756 in total, and they account for 70% of its $1.8 billion of deposits. Silvergate, which went public last year, is set to report fourth-quarter results Today. God, it's Wednesday, but that's today. Be looking out for uh, Silvergate uh, uh, fourth quarter results, man. Cool. A few players have entered the market for banking crypto businesses in the last year, such as Massachusetts-based Provident Bank and Quatonic in New York. Rather than fight to retain deposits, Metropolitan Will was likely content to let some of its business go, said Christopher O'Connell, a bank stock analyst at investment firm Keith Brunette & Woods. Quote, as more bank competitors get into the space, some of the overall fee rates that they can charge have changed, O'Connell said. Since they have a solid deposit pipeline, the bank may not want to pay for a large larger portion of this business in quote revenue from digital currency customers have steadily hovered around 1% of metropolitan's total ever since foreign exchange conversion and cash management fees from the sector spiked in Q4 of 2017 and Q1 of 2018 said O'Connell that period coincided with the peak of the last crypto bull market. Metropolitan declined to comment in its fourth corner's earnings release. The bank pointed to a decrease in fees from digital currency customers when explaining why non-interest income had decreased by $1.5 million for the full year compared to 2018. What does it mean? It means more competition. There's more banks that are losing their cold feet. They've put on socks, and they're figuring out that it's not going to kill them. But what will kill them is not putting on your socks, putting on your shoes, getting outside and walking the hell around a bit. Uh, you're going to see a lot more banks getting into this, just like I said with, you know, just like I said with the whole thing with the 401k. You're, if you will stop wetting the bed for all the guys that are out there bitching about Bitcoin, not scaling and not developing and not getting traction and all that it's all of that is BS. It's been BS for a while. It's just because they're bag holders and they're not holding the right bag. That's all it is. But more banks are getting in. There's going to be more retirement availability of BTC. It's this, it's all bullish. It's all bullish. Oh, sorry. I accidentally hit something I didn't mean to hit, but Former UFC fighter Ben Askren bashes XRP. This is Ali from Bitcoinist.com. He's writing this sometime this morning. XRP, currently the third largest cryptocurrency in the world by market cap, has seen its fair share of accusations over the years. That's because it's a scam. That's me. The coin has been accused of centralization, dumping on investors, being a scam. Told you. Market manipulation and more. After several comments from XRP's parent company, Ripple, I thought Ripple didn't have anything to do with XRP. See, the lies, at this point, they lied and lied and lied, and now it's just, oh, well, of course, it's always been Ripple Labs and Ripple and XRP are all part of the same game. And and nobody's batting an eyelash except for me and a couple of other people that I know. But yeah, they lied to you. Bag holders of XRP, you got lied to. You got lied to. You got lied to. After several comments from XRP's parent company, Ripple, on these issues, it seemed like debates surrounding XRP's legitimacy had be, been put to bed. However- ex UFC fighter, Ben Askren does not seem to think so. In fact, he recently posted on his Twitter that he thinks XRP is a scam in response to another Twitter user who speculated why Askren might be so quiet regarding XRP. And here they give the actual tweet from Ben Askren. I think XRP is a scam. (laughs) And he's replying to replying to a guy named Rob Chow, who had tweeted, uh, Ben Askren is staying quiet on XRP. Tells me it's going to take it a long time, if ever, to moon. Askren has had a long uh, history of supporting cryptocurrencies, kind of a shitcoiner. He was often described as Bitcoin bull, and he accurately predicted that BTC will exceed 10000 back in early of 20, 2019. Interestingly enough, last October, he also used Twitter to challenge crypto geniuses and dare them to explain why crypto is a, is a scam. Now, only a few months after that, he started claiming that one of the largest cryptocurrencies is a scam, causing mixed feelings among his followers. Many seemed to share his opinion while others found his opinion uninformed. As mentioned, Askren has become known as a supporter of several shitcoins, but primarily of Bitcoin and Litecoin. He represented LTC by wearing Litecoin-branded clothes on Instagram, and he often shared the coin's progression during price surges. But while he does seem to be a fan of the Bitcoin family, he seems to remain skeptical of XRPs because it's a scam. Still, his tweet regarding XRP scam is pretty much the only time he had ever commented on a coin that is not BTC or LTC. He is also far from being the only one to bash XRP recently because it's a scam. A similar sentiment was seen in a statement made by former Wall Street trader, Tone Vays, who became a Bitcoin analyst after leaving Wall Street, stated that Ripple's token has absolutely no place in the industry. He commented on XRP on numerous occasions, once even openly calling it a scam coin. That's because it is. He mentioned that he is convinced that Ripple created XRP as a completely fictional utility, and he's seems sure that the coin is an unregulated security because it is that's me naturally ripple and xrp also have their fair share of supporters former etoro senior analyst maddie greenspan stated recently that he remains bullish on xrp because of the project's good technology and strong team you mean the guys that are scammers maddie greenspan i just lost all my respect for you i didn't realize that he was an xrp bot that's too bad Kind of thought he was, you know, kind of knew what he was talking about, but say la vie. C'est la vie. Ed Sheeran's old label brings music royalties into the 21st century. This is uh, Robert Stevens writing for Decrypt.co sometime this morning. A prominent UK-based record label has come out with a new blockchain platform for letting artists collect royalties, making it easier for everyone involved in creating price to get paid whenever a piece of music is played. That platform's called Blue Box, and it comes from Ditto Music, whose former clients include Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith, and (coughs) Stormy's... Uh Storm Z. Sorry, Storm Z. Ditto claims that use of the system will result in higher collection rates while massively reducing the loss of earnings currently experienced by artists. Blue Box will help songwriters, producers, and anyone who isn't being paid properly legally track when their music is used and claim what they are uh, owed, Ditto Music tweeted yesterday. In an interview with Billboard Ditto CEO, Lee Parsons said that the key advantage of the system is that everyone involved can claim what is rightfully theirs. Uh, With Blue Box, it finally means that artists who don't upload that piece of music but are included on the song credits, such as songwriters and producers, will be able to log in and check their royalties. Parsons added that the service stands out because of Ditto's huge database of artists. The service has signed on 250,000 artists and pays out over $100 million a year. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) We're not building a product and then trying to find a use for it, he said. Oh God. As though anyone would do that. That's actually in the article. As though anyone would do that. Yeah. uh, Keep that in mind. It's Yeah. Again, I read these particular pieces so that you know that we are nowhere close to out of the woods on shit coinery, terrible ideas and shit that doesn't need a blockchain because this doesn't need a blockchain. Good God. Bitcoin used in gun smuggling operation. Now that's where you need a blockchain. (laughs) This is Trevor Smith writing for Bitcoinist.com. Uh, a Bosnian immigrant living in Tulali, Washington, has been sentenced to seven years in federal prison for receiving Bitcoin in return for illegally modified guns and gun parts. Authorities assert that Haney Vlatanilic, 36, sent the weapons to violent extremists in Sweden in violation of the Arms Export Control Act. Vlatanilic admitted to engaging in illegal gun sales since 2017 and was also found in to be in possession of banned items such as silencers. You mean potatoes with a hole drilled out of it? Oh, sorry. I didn't say anything. I, I didn't promise. Law enforcement agencies across the globe are increasingly concerned about the use of cryptocurrency for terrorist financing. This issue is not new, but as crypto moves into the mainstream, agencies are increasingly seeking to develop methods to trace transactions and identify users. Earlier this month, the United States House Financial Services Committee held hearings to address the topic. Committee members were quick to draw ties between Bitcoin and terrorist groups, such as Hamas and neo-Nazis. Lawmakers in other countries such as Britain, Israel, and India have recently expressed similar concerns because you're losing control. The earliest large-scale use of cryptocurrencies for transactions were tied to the Silk Road, an online marketplace, mostly known for drug sales that shut down in 2013. It is thus not surprising that crypto, notably Bitcoin, has a reputation for use in illicit activities. Nevertheless, studies have repeatedly demonstrated that cryptocurrency is no more likely to be used for illegal activities than cash or other forms of electronic finance. On the contrary, strong evidence indicates that cryptocurrency plays a key role in helping persons affected by political and economic disruptions. In Venezuela, for example, crypto has been a safe haven used to protect assets from soaring inflation. The same phenomena has recently been seen in Argentina, Iran, and Lebanon. This image of crypto being a tool of criminals is mostly pressed by anti-crypto advocates. Often those with ties to industries likely to be disrupted by blockchain technology. In truth, the overwhelming number of cryptocurrency transactions are legal. Whereas law enforcement has vested interest in stopping illegal gun sales, tracking blockchain transactions will not be an easy task. Decentralized ledger technology is designed to operate in an anonymous or pseudonymous manner. It's not entirely true. Uh, moving forward to prevent criminals from using Bitcoin, policymakers will need to recognize the revolutionary nature of blockchain technology and thus develop laws and regulations that work with rather than against crypto adoption. Dudes, I'm going to put it like this. If the hooker, the drug dealer, or the gun runner doesn't accept your money in exchange for their goods or services, it ain't money. Hookers, drug dealers, and gun runners accept Bitcoin. It's money. It's money. I don't know how else to put this shit to you guys. Actually, not you, anybody who's new or a couple of friends of mine who don't get it. I'm like, nobody's, nobody's going to sell you guns for Bitcoin if they don't actually think that Bitcoin is money. And at that point it's money. It just is. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. You can go scream at the rooftops like, like Peter Schiff or what your diapers like Peter Schiff and where, you know, maybe Cufflinks are used as diaper closures. I don't know. In either event, you can scream as, and bitch and moan and cry as loud as you want. It doesn't matter. Bitcoin's money. How do I know? Hookers, accept it. Drug dealers, accept it. Gun runners accept it. It's money. That's how we know how it's money. 99% of Bitcoin transactions don't go to the dark net. This is Decrypt.co Daniel Phillips. This is like a little follow-up thing about what he was saying in the last part of the last article. According to new research, a total fraction of cryptocurrency transactions heading to darknet services has fallen by more than ninety percent since two thousand and fifteen. The data collected by blockchain analysis firm chain analysis indicates that the number of cryptocurrency transactions as a percentage of total Bitcoin transactions heading to services on the dark net reached just zero point zero eight percent in two thousand and nineteen. This is down considerably from where from more than one percent just four years prior but is up slightly from last year's all-time low of 0.04%. While the amount of Bitcoin sent to dark markets rose from just over $400 million to nearly $800 million, that comes in line with increased Bitcoin activity. For example, Bitcoin saw $20 billion more trading volume every day throughout 2019 on average compared to the previous year. In total, chain analysis, uh, <clears throat> chain analysis, chain uh, chain Ellis, chain, chain It's such a weird word when you're looking at it, like I'm looking at it. Anyway, chain analysis track transactions from 25 different cryptocurrencies, including BTC, ETH and LTC and several different stable coins to produce this data. There are a few reasons why a few, there are a few Reasons why so few Bitcoin transactions are used for buying drugs on the dark net. One key issue is that all Bitcoin transactions are publicly available. That's right. If a Bitcoin address is linked to someone's real world identity, then all of their d- dirty dealings are available for everyone to see, especially law enforcement. It's hard to get a hold of Bitcoin without revealing your own identity. Many crypto exchanges have know your customer requirements, meaning their customers have to submit identity verification to be able to purchase Bitcoin. If law enforcement wants to know if you made a transaction on the darknet and can trace it to the exchange in question, then they will be able to find out exactly who was buying the drugs. Why would you buy drugs directly from a freaking exchange? You take it from the exchange, you put it on your own cold wallet, and then you make the transaction Maybe after coin joining, which coin joining is apparently being demonized right now, so don't listen to the hype. <clears throat> it, there's still no guarantee that you're going to be like, you know, safe, like you can go buy hookers blow, blowing guns off of some dark, not dark web website. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get away scot-free because you coin joined it or took it to a wallet, took it to coin join, took it to another wallet and then use that third wallet. to to buy your shit. There's no guarantee. But I guarantee this, if you buy that shit directly from your account on Kraken, you're either an idiot or you're somebody who really wants to get caught. Or third, you're somebody who really needs to be put in jail I don't much like that last statement, but dudes, there are just some people that suck. And if you're buying guns from your Kraken account, <laughs> you suck. In fact, Chainalysis notes that 70% of transactions heading to dark, dark net markets originate from exchange platforms. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. This suggests that as more uh, exchanges continue to ramp up their KYC requirements, it will make it even harder for criminals to use Bitcoin anonymously on the dark net. There are a few ways to try to hide the money trail, including mixing services where someone's Bitcoin is swapped for someone else's. But even these are not infallible. Many have low volumes, making it easier for observers such as blockchain and analytics companies to see where the money is moving. Law enforcement is already cracking down on Bitcoin mixing services. Crypto exchange Binance has already started blocking withdrawals to the privacy-focused Bitcoin wallet Wasabi. Binance CEO said at the time... The, the Binance Singapore was that Binance Singapore was simply following anti-money laundering regulations that exchanges are required to implement unsurprisingly given how transparent Bitcoin is. Many people using Bitcoin to buy illegal drugs on the dark net have already been caught. Back in April of 2019, three suspected drug dealers were arrested for reportedly laundering more than $2.3 million on the dark net thanks in part to blockchain analysis efforts. In one high profile case, Ross Ulbricht, the owner and operator of the infamous Silk Road drug marketplace was unambiguously linked to the website after police traced bitcoin transactions to a wallet owned by Ulbricht. He is now serving double life imprisonment. So, remember, folks, bitcoin is not anonymous and don't use it to buy drugs. I got many things to say about that. First, it's double life plus 40. Ross has no chance of getting out of that hellhole without a presidential pardon. And by the way, the Silk Road. Drugs was actually not the largest part of its sales. And of the drugs, the most that was act the most money that changed hand was for pot and marijuana, which is now legal in most in many states of the United States. I mean people that still pick on Ross and the Silk Road. They really don't know what they're talking about. And if they do, then they're being very disingenuous about what they're trying to do. Um, also, Bitcoin is not anonymous and don't use it to buy drugs. What that should actually say is Bitcoin is not anonymous. Don't use it to buy drugs, especially if you're buying drugs from the dark net directly using your Kraken wallet or your Binance wallet. Another thing to be said is mixing services. And I'm I'm sure that I'm the one that's in the wrong, okay? I'm I'm absolutely going to put to prostrate <clears throat> prostrate myself or prostrate whatever the hell it is, myself in in front of all y'all and just say I'm probably wrong. But why is it not like this? I have money on exchange which you shouldn't do because trading will get you in trouble and leaving your Bitcoin on an exchange will get you wrecked, sorry. But let's say that I'm stupid and I want to trade every single day so I keep all my Bitcoin on Binance and then I decide to go buy drugs with it or or to mix it, okay? Why is it that I'm not taking it off Binance, putting it into just some regular run-in-the-mill cold wallet, like a cold card or a Trezor or something like that, and then going to a mixing service from there. Because by the time Binance sees anything, they don't have my keys. I've taken my keys back by taking my Bitcoin off their exchange and putting it into my cold wallet, which has nothing whatsoever to do with freaking Wasabi. Now I can go to Wasabi and Binance ain't got dick to say about it. Why is that not I mean, like I said, I'm probably wrong. I I don't know why I'd be wrong, but I'm probably wrong. Somebody please tell me why I've got this all wrong. Why is it that you go from Binance directly to Wasabi instead of going to Binance to some nondescript cold wallet, then to Wasabi, then to another cold wallet, and that's where your real wealth lies. After it's been mixed, after it's been pulled off the exchange or Coinbase or whatever, if you're, going, if you're going to mix, in my opinion, it seems more applicable to make sure that there's a middleman between the exchange or wherever you're getting your shit from, if they can block it, uh, putting something in the middle between the exchange and a mixing service. Somebody please write me and tell me why I'm stupid, because I don't see why that's not just done as a matter of course. Anyway, the Swiss... More Swiss citizens can pay their taxes in Bitcoin thanks to a partnership with Bitcoin Swiss. Zermatt became the second Swiss municipality to embrace Bitcoin at the communal level. Liam Frost, writing sometime this morning for Decrypt.co, says, Residents of Zermatt, Switzerland, can now pay their taxes in Bitcoin thanks to a recently announced cooperation between the local government and Bitcoin Suisse a regulated financial intermediary and pioneer in crypto financial services based in Zug. According to the announcement, a point of sale solution provided by Bitcoin Suisse has already in, has been already installed in the Zermatt town hall so that fees for services from local authorities can be paid in Bitcoin. Notably, Zermatt thus became the second municipality after Zug to accept Bitcoin as an official means of payment. "Quote, an innovative pioneering spirit is one of the trademarks of Zermatt, which is why we are happy to support re- residents in providing them with the solutions they require, said Romy Binerhauser, mayor of Zermatt. After applying to the local tax office for a crypto payment solution, Zermatt's residents will be able to access an online payment portal and transfer B- Bitcoin directly from their own crypto wallet. In its turn, Bitcoin Swiss will exchange Bitcoin into Swiss francs and transfer the required amount to the municipality's bank account. So, While Swiss residents pay in Bitcoin, the government receives the taxes in Swiss francs. By accepting Bitcoin as a means of payment, Zermatt finds itself once more among the pioneers in supporting a growing ecosystem of cryptocurrencies, added Armin Schmid, head of crypto payments at Bitcoin Swiss. According to Bitcoin Swiss or Swiss, the collaboration is yet another sign that cryptocurrencies are becoming more and more common in everyday life. As Decrypt reported last November, the Swift, Swift, Swift Swiss government, oh my God, it's just going wrong. I just like bumped my keyboard and everything disappeared. As Decrypt reported last November, the Swiss government has also unveiled plans to improve frameworks for distributed ledger and blockchain technologies. In an announcement, Switzerland's federal council said that proposals would increase legal certainty, remove barriers from blockchain application, and reduce the risk of abuse. If only they could stop the overwhelming number of hacks. Yeah, well, whatever. So, second town is Switzerland... Um, getting into the game here, you know, and Switzerland was always ahead of the financial game as far as privacy was concerned. If you had a Swiss bank account, if you told somebody that the very first thing, even if they weren't financially literate or uh, whatever, there's other words for it, but like one of the heavy hitters in the finance world, you could just go to some dude on the street and say, "I've got a Swiss bank account." Well, if you did that, you're stupid. But that first person, the first person, the first thing that that person said would be, oh, so nobody knows how much money you have. That seriously. And that's for a reason, because for a long time, that's what you did in Switzerland, because that they pioneered that shit. They were like, hey, we want people to do business here. They were sitting there going, how do we get people to come put their money here? It's like, well, tell them that we won't tell anybody about their money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good idea. I suspect Switzerland 2.0 is probably on the rise. We're probably seeing it as we speak. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Now we'll do file Statistics. How's about a little Frank Zappa?
1: I was an Eskimo Frozen wind began to blow And my mama cried And my mama cried Huskies go! Don't you eat that yellow snow? Watch out where the huskies go! Don't you eat that yellow snow? Right about that time, people, a fur trapper who was strictly from commercial, strictly commercial, had the unmitigated audacity to jump up from behind my igloo. And he started in the whipping on my favorite baby seal with a lead-filled snowshoe That got me just about as evil as an Eskimo boy can be So I bent down and I reached down and I scooped down and I gathered up a generous mitten full of the deadly Yellow Yellow Snow The deadly yellow snow from right there where the huskies go Whereupon I proceeded to take that mitten full of the deadly yellow snow crystals And rub it all into his beady little eyes With a vigorous circular motion Hitherto unknown to the people in this area But destined to take the place of the mud shark in your mythology Here it goes now, the circular motion Rub it! And then in a fit of anger I Pounced again. Great Googly Moogly. Well, he was very upset, as you can understand. And rightly so, because the deadly yellow snow crystals had deprived him of his sight. And he stood up and he looked around and he said, And stuffed it in my right eye. They took a dog dude do snow cone and stuffed it in my other eye. And the husky wee-wee, I mean the doggy wee wee has blinded me, and I can't see temporarily. Vitals, since I forgot to do
0: them at the head of the show and just realized that at the end of the morning roundup, is brought to you by Bitinfocharts.com. Bitcoin is at $9,296 with a commanding lead above $9,000. That's pretty commanding. Got to say, I probably just jinxed everybody, so don't kill me, but got to say, well above $9,000 mark, which we did sometime last night. <clears throat> we have a, looks like we're going to have a high over at BitAsset at 3, or 9376 Our low is going to be chilling out over at GDAX at $9,272. 327,000 transactions were done in the last 24 hours with about 13,500 transactions on average per hour. Eight only 882,000 BTC were sent in the last 24 hours, with about 40,000 BTC on average being sent per hour. The average transaction value is 2.69 BTC, and the median transaction is pegged right at 300 bucks or 0.032 BTC. Block times just a little low, nine minutes and 48 seconds, according to Bitinfo charts. We have 0. 0.135 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and about 20 BTC being taken overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a bump in hash rate of 14.68%. We are now chilling out at 113 X per second. Last commit to the GitHub repository for Bitcoin was done sometime yesterday. Ethereum at 175, Bcash at BSV is at 282.61. Litecoin is at almost 60 bucks. Ethereum Classic is at $12.15, people. And Doge is still not seeing much of the love. It's only back up to 0.024. And with 31,000 transactions, it's only beating Litecoin as usual. Uh, let's see. What does my node say? I'm, I'm looking at, let me just refresh that just, just to make doubly sure I'm at 117.221 exahashes per second is what I'm showing. I've got a major backup in the mempool right now. According to my node, I have, I'm looking at 26 megabytes chilling out in the mempool, waiting to be cleared. That's almost 20,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting in the wings. And of course, all the people will say, look, it can only do so many transactions per second. Just get bent, dude. God, I want, I want to know the location of God out of the box. I want to be able to buy all my shit with a touch of my fingerprint. You're all, you're all weak. Not you guys, but they're all weak anybody who says shit like that is weak beyond compare. I got a seven year old that has more patience than most of these people and they're full grown adults. It's sad. Get over yourselves. People I've got blocks clearing pretty much that on 10, like on a 10 minute schedule, uh, looks pretty good. All the, all the blocks look pretty full. They're all chilling out at 1.2 to 1.3 megabytes in size. Lightning Network posted some pretty serious numbers, man. Um, We are now at 11,196 nodes with 35,961 channels and more BTC got added to the network liquidity. We're chilling out at 888.31 BTC that translates into 8.276 million dollars. We have uh, only nine new nodes came online in the last 24 hours, but in that same 24 hour period, we have 159 new channels. My God Almighty! And speaking of channels, I routed. I, I did. I routed a, a a lightning network payment. I did. I, I did, guys. It's amazing. I uh, I'm not going to tell you wh- who it's from. But I will tell you that it routed uh, through my channel to uh, the TFTC node. I wanna, I'm I also not going to tell you how many sats it was, sorry. But it was over over a, a few thousand sats. But it's my, my, my node has now officially busted its cherry and has taken an invoice from some other Lightning node or wallet, sent it through my node, and my node gave it to the TFTC guys. Couldn't be more proud of my node. Really, I think I'll take it to buy, you know, we'll we'll have some family pictures made. How about that? How about that? Anyway, that's going to do it for Vitals. It's got to be Peter Schiff. It's got to be the Cufflinks, man. It's got to be for daily train wrecked. It's got to be Peter Schiff. Because Peter says for now, Bitcoin may be the best performing asset this year, but it has nothing to do with safe haven buying. Those buying Bitcoin are merely speculating. Some may be speculating that others will buy it as a safe haven, but none actually are. There's nothing safe about Bitcoin. Yes, yeah, sure. That's Peter Schiff for you. And he was he was replying to fun uh, to uh, Charlie Lee's brother Tom. Uh, he was uh, Thomas Lee was saying he was like you know singing the praises of Bitcoin and apparently Peter Schiff just the, he just can't wait to jump in and insert his cuff link into every single thing about Bitcoin. reminding, reminding you that Peter Schiff is one of the worst performing fund managers on the planet. Uh, just go, especially his European shit, just <laughs> go take a look at his uh, his returns. It's almost like uh, negative interest rates. It's really, it's pretty bad. Uh, I really wouldn't listen to Peter Schiff. Now, I do want to say, I, I don't have a problem with gold. I think gold is good. It's a good metal. It's conductive. It doesn't oxidize, which means that it stays around for a long time. You know, it's it's pretty. It like, it's got, you know, it's got a good feel of weight for jewelry. You know, it's not overly cumbersome. It's shiny. It polishes up. Well, it's got symbolic meaning from the dawn of mankind, or at least the dawn of when we pulled the little yellow rock out of the ground and figured out that we could do shit with it. It's got functionality. And so does silver. So does, uh, palladium. So does rhodium for that matter. Platinum, like my, my wedding ring is platinum. It's not gold. It's not silver. My wedding ring is made out of platinum. I like platinum. I, like I said, I don't have a problem with, with metals. I really don't. What I have a problem with is somebody who comes along and says, uh, your, your thing is bad. My thing is only good. And yours is so bad and then they start making straw man arguments and then throwing ad hominems around and then flat out lying. At that point, I don't know why I listen to you know, would listen to the person. It's a waste of my time and that's why I'm kind of pissed off at Peter Schiff. Although he does make a great train wreck. Don't you agree? Anyway, there's your smoldering pile. terrible joke corner brought to you by dad says jokes the doctor your brain fell out after your accident but we managed to put it back in me thanks for reminding me (laughs) yeah a long time ago I heard a comedian call these things a joke grenade you pull the pin you throw it you wait for it to go off wait for this one to go off I'll see you on the other side